So now we are starting the second part of uh, Bhagavad Gita at a glance, chapters 10 through 18. Hmm. Oh, she's there she is. <laughs> okay. So chapter Krishna's origin we have here. Uh, he, is, he is the origin. Krishna is the origin of the demigods. Here we see in the middle lotus that He's the sages, the demigods, the kumaras. Krishna is the origin. Then if you go to the bottom, 4-5, he's the origin of all the qualities, even fear and fearlessness, knowledge, intelligence, forgiveness, faith, oh, birth, death. He's the origin of everything. And uh, if you know Krishna is the origin, what will you do? You go to the right side. We have the Chaturshloki, seed verses, four seed verses of Bhagavad Gita. From these verses, the whole Gita comes. So top is verse 8. Verse 8 is about how Krishna is the origin. He says, uh, everything emanates from me. There you see the creation. And then if you go down to verse 9, you see the six Goswamis. So if you know that Krishna is the origin, you will worship Krishna. And you will discuss about him and, have, and be happy discussing about Krishna. Very happy. So that's verse 9. Uh, satisfied and happy. And this pleases Krishna. As you go to the bottom of that lotus, you see uh, Krishna is in the heart and he's giving knowledge. How to go to him? If you go up to verse 11 on the left of that lotus, uh, Krishna shines in your heart. The, the torchlight of knowledge, and it's Bhagavad Gita. Bhagavad Gita is our knowledge here today. It's shining in the heart. Shining in the heart. And the lesson is, I'm going to read verse 9 first. My surrendered pure devotees always think of me. Their happiness is always to converse about me. Lesson is, by performing pure devotional service constantly, one pleases Krishna and gets enlightenment in the heart. Okay, so the next chap, uh, next part, Arjuna's request. Arjuna wants to see the opulence. He wants knowledge of the opulences. Next chapter, he'll want to see them. This chapter, he just wants to know about them. So he's asking different questions to Krishna about his opulences. So then on the right, we see some of the opulences of Krishna. Krishna says, here he says, I'm Lord Shiva. Up on the top right, whoops, chapter 10, part 2, top right. Yeah, now the mouse did something. <laughs> anyway, change pictures. Uh, so then we go, or I'm going to read verse 25. So that's about japa. And that's really one of the most important things in our mind. Uh, vibrations, I am Om, of sages Brigo of great fame. I am immovable Himalayas, I am chanting of the holy name. Okay, so you see the Mahamantra down in the middle, kind of on the right lotus. And on top of Mahamantra, there's Garuda. Oh yeah, there's also Himalayas and Om. There's Garuda, there's the sun, the moon, and the light, the sun and the moon. And then we have the horse and the elephant of Indra, and we have the king. And at the bottom, he's the Surabhikau, he's Kandarpa, god of love. And so these are all the opulences of Krishna. 
and there's a snake, there's Vasuki there, uh, next to Kandarpa. Now if we go to part three of chapter 10, more opulences, you see right next to that sign there's a purifiers, I am the wind. And uh, he says, I'm Shiva, Vishnu, and Brahma. And if you go to the right, we see nine faces of ladies, seven faces of ladies. Among women, I'm faith, fortune, memory, intelligence, faithfulness, and patience. And I am, he says, I am death and, again, immortality personified. Uh, okay, and then we have uh, Vasuki. Is that Vasuki? What, who's, which snake is that? I wonder. Anyway, there's Shesha Nag, probably Ananta. And then if we go to the right lotus, well, before that, I'm going to read a verse, verse 36. And that is, this, there's a sun. If you go on the, the, near the bottom of the left lotus, you see a, a strong man. He's strength of the strong, and he's gambling. I'm the gambling of the cheats, of the splendid, I'm the splendor. Of months, November, December, I'm spring amongst the seasons. Oh, sorry, no. I'm the strength of the strong, I'm victory and adventure. Okay. So, now we're going to have a lesson here in this end of the 10th chapter, all-pervading super soul, that's this right side here, right side. And you see all the glorious things of this world, uh, that's simply a spark of Krishna's opulences, and that's verse 41. Oh, you see the spark, which is the soul. If you see anything special in this world, that is a part of Krishna's opulence. Right. Okay. So, now we are at chapter 11, part 1. Arjuna's request. Now he wants to see all the opulences, and Krishna is giving him divine vision. You see Krishna covering his eyes there in verse 8. I will give you divine eyes because you cannot see me with your present eyes. And I don't think we would want to see the universal form either. Arjuna could do it because he was a great devotee of Krishna. And what did he see? Look on there. Wow, unlimited heads, unlimited arms, eyes, faces. And he was seeing all the universes in one place. So I'll read that verse 13. Arjuna could see the whole universe in one place, though divided into thousands within universal space. Right. And he forgot his friendship with Krishna momentarily. Uh, and, and so he started to offer prayers. Now let's hear the prayers of Arjuna. First, he's describing the divine effulgence. So much light, like hundreds and thousands of suns in one place. And the sages, you see the bottom, the demigods are afraid, surrendering, and the sages are chanting mantras. The sages are chanting mantras to this universe of form. So on the right side, Arjuna's bewilderment He's begging mercy, he's afraid. He's seeing all the warriors are entering the mouths at full speed, being crushed between the teeth. So you think Maya is very nice. You see the smile of Maya. Behind the smile, there's the teeth. 
and they will eat you. <laughs> Maya will eat you if, you if you become attached. Right. And so uh, now we'll go to the bottom of the right lotus and we see some rivers. He says, uh, I see all the soldiers rushing with full speed into your mouth. Uh, uh, just like rivers enter into the ocean. Well, this is Arjuna's bewilderment here. And uh, there, verse 29, is like moths entering the fire. I'm going to read verse 29. All people madly rush into your mouth, a blazing pyre, as moths will quickly fly into a blazing fire. So if you're ever in India and the lights go out and you have a candle blowing, then you'll hear it's a put, put, <laughs> the insects are going into the fire. So this is what's happening on the battlefield of Kukshetra. Arjuna is giving him a, a preview, uh, sorry, Krishna is giving Arjuna a preview of what to expect in the movie of the battle of Kukshetra. That's a trailer. <laughs> That's who he's getting a preview here. In the 11th chapter, all, everyone is going, he will say that, he will, he will explain that to Arjuna. Lesson here, no one escapes death. No one escapes death. We go to the part three of chapter 11. Krishna's instruction. So in the last picture, I forgot to tell you, Arjuna said, ask, who are you? We will find the answer here in part three. Verses 32 and 33. 32, he tells who he is. Time I am, destroyer of all, except for you, Pandavas, all soldiers will fall. And then in 33, he gives his instruction. Get up and fight. Regain your kingdom's government. Though I've killed all enemies, you can be my instrument. Just be my instrument in this fight. Um, so he's showing Arjuna, you, don't worry. The battle is already won. I've done it. I've won the battle for you. But you must fight and be the instrument. You'll be the instrument. So that's the lesson here. Battle has already been won. We just must be the instrument in the fight. So right side, Arjuna's prayers, offering obeisances for forgiveness. He said, no, and see at the bottom of that, he's eating with Krishna, he said, oh, forgive me for being so uh, friendly with you, so, so familiar. I'll read verse 41, 42. Though we've eaten together, and I've called you Krishna, my friend, please forgive all my offenses I've committed without end. So he was a bit worried here now that he might have, this was Arjuna's fear. He was afraid that he committed offenses to Krishna. And this is a lesson, although Arjuna is overwhelmed by astonishment, he cannot forget his friendly relationship with Krishna. He still remembers his friendship with Krishna as a friend, even though he's seeing this, this dazzling form in front of him, uh, killing all the warriors, he still can't forget his friendship with Krishna. What was the first lesson we learn here in this picture? You just be my instrument, the battle's already won. Does anybody remember from the previous picture uh, when 
No one escapes death. Good. Good. And what's the last lesson here in this picture? Yeah, Arjuna didn't forget. Although he was bewildered, he didn't forget his friendly relationship with Krishna. Okay, we're going to go to part four. Um, this is the Arjuna's prayers on the left, more prayers. Now he's, he's um, again begging forgiveness and he wants to see the Lord's forearm form. You know, he's had enough of this universal form, it's too much. It's, you can't bear it to see the universal form. Sri Prabhupada said when there was World War II and the bombs were flying, he said, I was seeing the universal form at that time. Not a very lovable form. It's Krishna, but it's not a lovable form. Not a form to love. So, and the, so we have the forearm form, Krishna's supreme form coming on the right side. We have all the way to the right, verse 50, we have the forearm form, and then finally the two-handed form, which is the most dear and the most rare. I'm going to read verse 55. My pure devotee, free from sinful activity, a friend to every entity, wishes to come to me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we want to go to Krishna. Don't remain, don't remain in Maya. There we have Lord Chaitanya on the right uh, bottom of the of the big lotus chanting Hare Krishna. And if you want to know Krishna, you have to perform devotional service. Chant Hare Krishna also will give you knowledge of Krishna. Just by chanting, you will get all knowledge. That's really a very nice thing. We don't have to worry about so many austerities and penances and things. We just chant, eat prasada, worship Krishna. Okay, we're going to chapter 12, a very special chapter, the end of the bhakti chapters. And see at the bottom what an amazing thing is happening here. At the top we have Krishna picking up his devotee, which is normal. I mean, we see this picture many times. But what's behind, who's pushing up that devotee is the Panchatattva. Pushing up because we need help. In Kali Yuga, very difficult time. We need help to get out of this um, big ocean of material existence. So Arjuna asked, again, third time, which is better, bhakti or impersonalism? And of course the answer is bhakti. Bhakti is best. And that's the lesson here from this first part. I'll read verse 6, 7. For one devoted to me, without deviation, I deliver him swiftly on the path of liberation. So that's Krishna there picking you up if you're devoted without deviation. So why is devotional service better than impersonalism? Here's the lesson. Because it's easier and more natural, according to one's constitutional position. It's according to our nature to worship, to love someone. Impersonalism is you, know, you don't love, and there's no mercy. You're all by yourself trying to get to the top. And that's like the material, it's the material world. It's the same thing. You're just struggling and pushing just to keep your head above water. So that, that is, that's why bhakti is better. 
Now if you go on the right side, we have progressive stages of devotion. So Krishna gives a progressive path of advancement. From the highest devotee, he always thinks of him to the lowest. So we go here. Uh, here we have the slow path on the, if you see the top uh, pedal, we have karma yoga, Again, that's the slow path which takes many births. But here on the left side, we have the fast track. Harinam Sankirtan takes you to the top immediately. So just chant. Just chant. That's the best thing. It will take you to the top. Uh, right. So that is the, I'll read verse 8. Just fix your mind on me with intelligence in me. Thus, without a doubt, you will always live in me. So that's the best thing. But if you can't do that, then verse 9, do bhakti yoga. Can't do that. Help the devotee. Here's somebody in verse 10. He's helping the devotee carry his books. And if you can't do any of that, okay, just do something good. Give in charity or, or do something good in this world. But best is bhakti. That's, if you do good karma, okay, that you will come back, enjoy your good karma. But you still have to die and suffer. So it's not, not so good to do that. Right. Okay, what lesson here did we learn in the first part of this picture here? Hmm? Bhakti is best. Yeah. Why is bhakti best? It's natural. It's natural according to our constitutional position. Yes. Okay, we're going to go to the last part of chapter 12. Devotional qualities. It's all one lotus. Um, here we have Krishna showing how to be, how to worship the devotees, an envious friend of all, everyone. And then we go to verse 15, we have the hunter, you should not be the source of difficulty for anyone. He's trying to avoid the ants on his path uh, while he's greeting his Guru Nardamuni. And then you go to verse 16 at the bottom, we see Srila Prabhupada at uh, San Francisco at the beginning of the movement. And he's uh, completely unattached, he's equal, he's very happy, always engaged in devotional service, although he's surrounded by hippies who are taking drugs. But he's engaging them and dancing and chanting, chanting the holy name. Then we go to verse 17 on the bottom right. Um, he is neutral in happiness and distress. In 1819 is a very interesting picture, Food for Life ISKCON. This was during the war in Russia. There was a war in Chechnya, and the devotees were distributing prasadam, and both sides on the battle were coming to eat from the devotees, <laughs> the soldiers and the people. Both sides would, would, would stop fighting and come and take prasadam from, because nobody was feeding anybody there. There was nothing to eat on the battle. In the, in the battle of the town. And the top, uh, the devotee, of course, is best, very, very dear, always engaged in devotional service. I'm going to read some of these verses. Uh, verse 16 Pure, expert, without cares, this is Prabhupada in San Francisco. Independent of common activity, not striving for some result, my devotee is dear to me. Now, 1819, Food for Life is gone. One who is equal to friend and enemy, fame and infamy, from contamination free, is very dear to me. So that's we have. Okay, what did we have a lesson here? No, we didn't have a lesson. 
unless you've got a lesson yourself. Um, and that's quite possible. So, yeah? Qualities. Qualities that attract Krishna. Good. We're hearing about the qualities that will attract Krishna. So now it's chapter 13, uh, part 1. Left side, Chetra and Chitragya. Chetra means the field of activities, which is this material body. Chetragya means the knower of the field, uh, the soul. We are the, the soul is the knower. Super soul is also the knower. There are two knowers, soul and super soul. And um, the Chetra, the field is what it, we know. The field is the, the body. And there we have uh, in the middle of that lotus the, the senses and the elements. These are listed by Krishna and Dara. Then in the middle we have the process of knowledge. It starts at the bottom with humility and pridelessness. You cannot learn anything if you think you're, you know it already. If you're proud, you cannot learn anything. If you know it all, how can, you, how can anyone teach you? knowledge. Then nonviolence, tolerance, simplicity, these are all very nice qualities. But if you go near the top, you will see devotion to me. It's a yellow stair. Devotion to me. Now, if just this one uh, process, this one thing here, will give you all the other qualities. Just if you're devotional service, so that's the lesson here. Pure devotional service gives all good qualities. Pure devotional service. So all the other qualities will come if you perform devotional service. Hmm. Now the object of knowledge, that's on the right side, that all that all those petals there. The object is the soul and the super soul. You see all the, the super soul in everyone's body, <clears throat> and you see the soul also there. And this is the object of knowledge uh, and light. Brahman uh, is knowable and its basis is the spirit soul, a uh, super soul, sorry, super soul. Okay, what lesson did you learn here in this picture, chapter 13? Pure Vashasaras gives all good qualities. Good, good. All right, now we're in part two. You have a question, yes. So, the gives all the qualities, but we also hear that we need to cultivate the qualities. Right. We need to cultivate the qualities, true. Um, so, yes, just because devotional service gives all good qualities doesn't mean we neglect being good. We should try to practice forgiveness and... Uh, Cleanliness. We're taught that way. We're taught. We approach a guru. Self-control, steadiness. This all comes from performing devotional service, but at the same time, uh, we're advised to practice humility. Shikshastaka 3. We have to tolerate. Krishna says right in the beginning, you should have to tolerate. Tolerance. That's one of the qualities. And Krishna's advising to practice that. Telling you have to tolerate. You have to practice tolerance. And then you will actually get devotional, you will get liberated, you will get free. It will help you, it will help you in devotional service if you come to the 
mode of goodness. Where do all these qualities come in the mode of goodness? Jai Gornitai, Jai Radha Madamaham, is it? And Jai Sitaram Lakshman Hanuman. Jai. Yeah, so we are studying chapter 13 for the newcomers from this book, Bhagavad Gita, at, uh, at a glance. We have a picture for every verse of Bhagavad Gita here. Now we're in chapter 13, which is about nature, the enjoyer, and consciousness. And we have learned one lesson that if you practice pure devotional service, you will get all good qualities. Okay, we're going to chapter 13, part 2, Prakriti and Purusha. So material nature causes all material activities, and the living entity causes its own suffering and enjoyment due to misplaced desire. The super-soul is along with the soul there, but he's just the witnessing and overseeing, and he's the permitter. He gives permission for us to do things in this world, even though he doesn't want us to do those things. Now we see, if you go to the left lotus, now we're at the top, we see in verse 25, there's different ways to achieve uh, the super soul. Karma, Gyan, Yoga. But verse 26, no, who's doing these things in the age of Kali? You cannot do. Very, very difficult. So here we have a man hearing the Harinam, Hari, chanting Hari Krishna on the street. That's the beginning of his spiritual life. Just by hearing, you can transcend the path of birth and death. So that's our process. And this is the lesson here. Simply by chanting and hearing about Krishna, one can transcend, one can achieve liberation. Right. I'm going to read verse 22 here. Living entities follow the path of life in material nature's association, thus meeting good and evil species in eternal chance migration. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Now, we heard about Prakriti and Purusha. Now on the right side, there's vision of knowledge. What's that vision? You see Brahman everywhere. In the bird, in the turtle, in the tree. We see the Brahman, the soul. Soul is in all living beings. So when, and if you see the super soul along with the soul, then you're not entangled in the body. And you can go to the transcendental destination. So I'll read verse 32. The soul is transcendental. That's the vision of eternity. Despite being a material nature, he has no material affinity. Right, vision of eternity, seeing the soul in everyone's heart and seeing the super soul in everyone's heart. That's the vision of knowledge. Okay, what lesson did we learn in the first part here of this picture? Hearing. Just by hearing, we can transcend. We can get liberation. Don't have to worry about all these difficult processes that were practiced in previous yugas. Okay, so, chapter 14, part 1. Krishna as Father. So the lesson here, Krishna is the father of all species of life. And Maya is the mother. 
Now, for those who worship Lord Shiva, it's, you should be, it would be interesting for you to know that Lord Shiva and Parvati give us this material body. But who gives the soul in the body? That's Krishna. We are soul, we are spiritual beings, and our father is Krishna. And his part, Lord Shiva, is his expanded part. He gives the material body. But the soul is given by Krishna. He says, I am the seed-giving father. I am the seed-giving father. So now we go to the modes of nature, conditioning of the modes in the middle lotus. We have the conditioning. Now if you look on the bottom six, we see a sage of the book. He's happy. Happiness. What of goodness conditions you to happiness, gives you happiness. And the middle mode of passion uh, gives you uh, attachment to the fruits of action. And ignorance, there's a Yamaduta there watching over uh, an unconscious drunk guy, um, <laughs> ready to take him. This gives you madness, laziness, and sleep. So don't be in ignorance, be in goodness. So if you go up to the right, we have characteristics of the modes. Though goodness illuminates one with knowledge, we have verse 11 there, right? Uh, he's offering uh, flowers to Ganga, River Ganga. Then we have passion, people fighting here. Uh, increases attachment, activity, and desires. And then we have motive ignorance on the left side. And he's just, he's, cash, he's kind of lazy, he's, he's eating a lot, and, and <laughs> he's not too worried about anything, he yeah. doesn't want to advance. So what, um, what lesson do we learn here in this picture? Word of goodness is good. Word of goodness is good. Uh -huh. Okay. Yeah, that's why it's called goodness. <laughs> because it's good for you. If you do a word of goodness, then you'll be happy. And you'll get knowledge. Krishna's the seed giver. He's the father. Krishna's seed father. Right. That's a lesson here. A very important lesson. Know who is your father. So here we have uh, part two of chapter 14. Left, left side is... Um, Results of the modes. Results of the modes. That's verse 18. I'm going to read that. So then you, you can see again who goes where. Which mode of nature takes you where. Those in goodness go to heaven. And from passion, oh, and those in ignorance go to hell. While those in mode of passion on earthly planets go. So don't go to hell. Don't be in mode of ignorance. Passion, you'll come back here uh, for how many births, we don't know. And then, um, goodness, you will go to the heavenly planets. So we have to go beyond goodness. We have to worship Krishna if you want to go to the spiritual world. You want to go back to God here. Now, part, uh, the, the right side cluster of lotuses is called transcending the modes. Transcending the modes. So if you're, again, if you're engaged in undeviating devotional service, you will transcend the modes. Um, so then that's described in verse 26. 
uh, we see the devotee worshipping Giriraj on the left side. And uh, he, 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 is, he will go back to Godhead. And uh, verse 27 is talking about how Krishna is the source of Brahman. It's the effulgence of his body. You can see the effulgence around him. That's the Brahman. That's the light that everybody wants to go to, the impersonalists anyway. They want to go to the light. What is the light? It's the effulgence of Krishna's body. The lesson here is if you want to transcend the modes, engage in devotional service. Same message all through Al-Gita. Now it's, we heard that in chapter 7, to go beyond the modes, engage in devotional service to Krishna. Engage in devotional service. Okay, we're going to chapter 15. Here we have a banyan tree. Verses 1 and 2. And people on the branches, and animals on the branches, and demigods also on the branches. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. Chapter 15. There's a banyan tree with upward roots. Dharma artakama moksha are its fruits. Some roots are also going down to fruitive actions being bound. Some branches are lower, some are higher, but all are situated on desire. This material tree is a dim reflection of the spiritual tree, which is Veda's perfection. We've got this banyan tree. We've got to get out. How to get out? Look at verse 3, 4 there. The weapon of detachment. And it's based on desire, you see. And the real tree is also based on desire. The real tree is a reflection. This, this banyan tree is a reflection of the tree in Goloka Vrindavan. But everyone here is struggling on this tree with the mind and the senses. Uh, and there we have uh, Bhagavad Gita carrying us again to the next life uh, in verse 5. Uh, Freed from illusion and false association, material lust and sense gratification, surrendering to Krishna by this transformation, he goes back to Godhead, eternal liberation. Then the right side we have transmigration. Oh, uh oh. What happens at the end of life? Well, verse 7, we've got the senses. He's struggling, the guy in the middle with his shield, he's struggling with the senses, the soul struggling. And then above him, there's the crazy mind. You see the mind there. He's struggling with the mind and the senses. But one information we learn in this verse is um, actually a lesson here. The living entities in this world are Krishna's fragmental parts. We're eternally a fragmental part of Krishna. It's not that we're going to, we're just a little piece of Brahman and we're going to merge with Brahman after this body. No, we're going to keep our individuality, and go and serve Krishna in the spiritual world. I'll read verse 8. From body to body brought by conceptions of his mind, the conditioned soul wanders as aromas in air we find. Okay. So, that's the lesson here. Living entities in this world are Krishna's eternal fragmental parts very important that we don't merge, we don't lose our individuality when we go to the spiritual world. We remain servants of Krishna eternally. Okay, what was that lesson we learned here? Okay. 
Eternal Fragmental Parts of Krishna. Good. Okay, part two, chapter 15. We have Krishna as maintainer on the left side. How does he maintain us? He enters the planets. Here are all the planets on the top of that lotus. They're, they're all have super soul in the middle of the planet. He enters the planets, he gives the juice of life to vegetables. Here we have the, the moon shining on the vegetables, giving the juice of life. He enters the body and he's the fire of digestion, verse 14, below that uh, picture. And uh, he maintains a subtle body by giving remembrance and forgetfulness. I'll read verse 12. From me comes the sun, which turns darkness into light. And from me comes the fire and the bright moon light. So there is on the left side, verse 12, he's the sun and the moon. Um, so now in verse 15, it describes how Supertoe causes us to remember and causes us to forget. And uh, the lesson here is that he causes us to remember and forget, so we should pray to always remember him. We should pray for remembrance. And chant Hare Krishna, as we learned in chapter 8, to remember him. Now, on the, the next section, uh, on the right side, we have um, Summary Vedanta Sutra, two classes of beings, fallible and infallible. Fallible are in this material world, and fallible are in this spiritual world. So that's the bottom of the lotus. Verse 16, we see the soul in the body, that there we're in the material world, then on the left side, everybody's in the spiritual world. Oh, it goes, we go up to the spiritual world, yeah. Uh, to be with Vishnu. No, actually that's in verse 16, yeah. Verse 16, yeah. Okay, and above these, uh, the Lord is super soul. That's, that's verse 17. And then verse 18 is Krishna. And uh, beyond all living beings, Krishna says, I'm transcendental, worshipped by all persons as the supreme personal. Verse 18, and this is a lesson. If you know Krishna, you know everything. Lesson from this picture. So we had, to, what was the first lesson that we learned here in this picture? Knowledge and forgetfulness. And so therefore we should always pray to remember Krishna. And... Um, what was the second lesson? If you know Krishna, you know everything. If you know Krishna, you know everything. Yes, very good. Okay, could yes? You, could you explain that more? I explain that more. Well, if you know Krishna, because uh, if you know Krishna, Krishna means he's the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and, he, and you know his expansions, the three energies, material, spiritual, and marginal. So if you know all those three energies and you know Krishna, and you know also that he's, there's three parts of Krishna, Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan. So that means to know everything, because there's nothing else besides these three things and these three energies. And Krishna, he is the source of all of them. And he not is the source, he, he's the, he includes all of them. It's all part of Krishna. All part of his body. It's all part of him. And so if you just go to the Krishna part, 
if you just go to the material energy, you won't know everything. That's what the scientists are doing. They're going to the material energy. They don't know about the soul and the super soul, Brahman, Paramatma, Bhagavan. They don't know. And so they're baffled. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to go to chapter 16. Divine and demoniac natures. That left side is transcendental qualities, all the good qualities here. For the sannyasis, we have uh, fearlessness, cultivation of knowledge. For the Ranaprastas, on the top, we're up in the top uh, part of this left lotus. And the Ranaprastas is in the sitting with the trees. Yeah, for the Ranaprastas, there, the quality is uh, austerity. For the Grihastas in the bottom left is the charity and sacrifice. And for the top left, Brahmachari, uh, top right, Brahmacharis is study of Vedic knowledge. And all of the four Varnas should have nonviolence, truthfulness, forgiveness, and being non-envious. Being non-envious. Now on the right side you see the demoniac qualities. Uh, <clears throat> lust, pride, anger, conceit, harshness, ignorance, they lead to bondage. Now you see it, it looks like a tree, but it's an atom bomb. In uh, chapter 8, they think of things which will destroy the world. They think of, uh, now read to verse 8, chapter 16. They say this world's unreal, in God they do not trust. The world's produced a sex desire and has no cause but lust. So that's verse 8 over there where we have a couple embracing and that is a picture of lust. And that's what they think is the purpose of life and the cause of life. But they don't know Krishna's a seed-giving father. He's there. He's giving us life. Okay. Now, the lesson here, demonic activities lead to bondage and destruction. Demonic activities lead to bondage and destruction. So, be a devotee. Cultivate divine qualities. Now we have, uh, on the left side, we have demoniac nature. Whoops, is that verse 10? Yeah, that is verse 10. That is... We're in part two of chapter 16. Verse 10, obsessed with lust, pride, false prestige, to increase their enjoyment. They work so hard at horrible jobs, attracted by the impermanent. So that is, uh, yeah. enjoying, trying to enjoy by breaking all the four forbidden principles, demonic nature. And finally, they blaspheme the Lord. There we have the devotees chanting and people are Blaspheming the Harinam at the bottom of that lotus there. Um, so, results of demonic activities, you see on the right, what birth does the demon give in the top right? Ooh, spider, snake, scorpion. Don't do it. Three gates to hell, lost anger and greed at the top there. I'll read verse 21. The three gates to hell, lost anger and greed, should be shunned by all sane men, to a degradation of soul they lead. This is the lesson here, lust, anger, and greed should be rejected as they lead to hell. 
So here we have a picture of the devotee. On the right, he's not going to Lestamian Greed, he's going up to Krishna on the stairway. So that's where we have to go. We have to go up and not down. And don't listen to the lower self, but give yourself a higher taste of Krishna consciousness, of enjoyment. Devotional service is joyful, and you can also be happy by serving Krishna. Okay, what was the lesson here in this picture? Demonic activities lead to bondage. Mm, right. And destruction. Destruction, good. Okay, demonic nature. We did that. Chapter 17. Divisions of faith. So worship and food in the modes. So here on the left, this left lotus, on the left side, we see somebody eating. There's the devotee, he's having milk products and fruit, and the one in the mode of passion, he's having lots of chili. <laughs> and the one in the mode of ignorance at the bottom there, he's having non-veg and alcohol. And uh, this, and, and we will, I will read verse, we're going to learn something here about the mode of passion, foods in the mode of passion, um, which will be a lesson. Uh, verse 9, bitter foods, sour, salty, hot, will passionate people please? Such pungent dry fruits, foods surely cause pain, distress, and disease. So lesson here, foods in passion cause pain, distress, and disease. Foods in the mode of passion. Hare Krishna. Watch out for foods in the mode of passion. Yeah. So sacrifice in the modes is on the left side. Here we have in, in verse 11, mode of goodness, transcendental. According to duty, with respect, without expectation of reward, that is in goodness. Then at the bottom, out of passion, he's worshiping a demigod and wanting something from the demigod. He's got a list uh, to give. I want this, I want that, I want this, and fast. And then left a mode of ignorance. It looks like they're offering a human sacrifice to Kali. Um, don't, yeah, don't be in the mode of ignorance. No, this is very bad. So verse 16. Oh no, that's, we read that. Sacrifice in the modes. Yeah, we're not in chapter, part two. What lesson? Uh, oh, you hear, here we see also the different kinds of worship again. Where are you going to go? Different kinds of worship in the modes. Yeah, okay, what lesson did we learn here in uh, this chapter 16, part one picture? Mode of passion foods. Uh, mode of passion foods. What, what, what will happen if you eat mode of passion foods? Pain, distress. Pain, distress, and disease. <laughs> Don't do it. No. Okay. Now we're going to hear about austerity in the modes on the left side. And first, verse 14, the top is austerity of the body, worshiping superiors, doing brahmacharya. Uh, celibacy. These are austerities of the body. Verse 15, austerities of the word, studying the Vedas. Uh, and uh, 
No, sorry, that's in good. This is um, goodness. The first three are in the mode of goodness, all in the mode of goodness. Austerity of the body, austerity of the words, in the mode of goodness is to study the Vedas, speak truthfully without disturbing others. Then down in verse 16, underneath the book, the Rishi with the book, we have um, the devotee eating prasadam. Uh, oh, but he's very happy. He's, he's, uh, his mind is peaceful. He's satisfied with prasadam. So that's austerity and goodness. And down below him, verse 17, austerity and goodness uh, is performed for the pleasure of Krishna. Then if you go to the bottom, there's austerity and passion. He's, he's uh, trying to satisfy personal desire for honor and worship. And if you go to the left, austerity and ignorance, Hiranyakashipu was standing on his one foot for 100 years and ants ate his whole body and he kept doing his austerity, uh, austerity and passion and goodness and it didn't help at all. He did get what he wanted, but then it was so temporary. It was so temporary. Then charity in the middle, charity in the modes, out of goodness for the pleasure of Krishna, verse 20, then passion, he wants, some, he wants a, a treasure chest of gold there. So he's worshiping, looks like Ganesh here, um, you know, for some gold. And on the left side, we have uh, charity and ignorance. There's the wine shop, and this guy is ready. He's begging for money to drink alcohol. So that's charity and amount of ignorance. Uh, neglects the scriptural rules. On the right side, Om Tat Sat. All sacrifice charities and austerities should be performed along with chanting Om Tat Sat for the pleasure of the Supreme Lord. I'll read verse 23. Chanting Om Tat Sat from beginning of creation, Brahmanas perform sacrifices for Lord Krishna's satisfaction. Om Tat Sat. We chant Hare Krishna. So that's even better. Even better. It's Hare Krishna. Our mantra. Prophet made sure we got that in the purports. And don't. <laughs> 17 times. Om Tat Sat only comes once. Hare Krishna comes more, much more. In the purports of Bhagavad Okay. We'll go to chapter 18, part 1. Now, this is a, again a summary of the whole Bhagavad Gita. The title is Renunciation, Perfection and Renunciation. But we are, the first part is Karma Yoga, it's a summary of the whole. What we learned in chapter three and chapter five, and uh, how to do karma yoga, how to worship for, do worship for Krishna, and then it talks about re renunciation in the modes of goodness, passion, and ignorance. Here we have uh, in verse six, somebody is renouncing the impersonalist philosophy to join the devotees chanting. And in mode of passion, this lady is renouncing the kitchen in summer. So um, that's not that's renunciation in the mode of passion. And then at, at the left side, we have somebody taking sannyasa and leaving a small child with his wife. That's not good. <laughs> renunciation in ignorance. We cannot do that. Now it's against Iskand law. Um, Kyana yoga on the right side. 
We have at the top five factors of action, performer, senses, place, endeavor, and super soul. Super soul. Five factors of action. Um, okay. So, uh, Arjuna is asking again, which is better, renunciation or sannyasa? And Krishna says, the real renunciation is to give up the fruits of your work. Again, same thing. Same question, same answer. So there's, in all action, there's these five factors. And if you understand these factors, you're free from false ego and not bound by your actions. So now we have the modes of nature back again. Knowledge in the modes in the left side. Mode of goodness. You see the soul in all bodies. You see the soul in all bodies. At the bottom, oh, sorry, in verse 21, you see different bodies and you think that is the person, that is the reality. You don't see the soul. In verse 22, you see the TV with your dog. Uh, you don't see, and no knowledge there. You get your knowledge from the TV. That means no knowledge. That means no, no knowledge. Um, then the bottom, action in the modes. Action in the modes. Oh, uh, there is a lesson in the knowledge part. Knowledge and goodness is the beginning of spiritual life. That is a lesson to learn there. That's Brahman realization. Step one. First step in self-realization. Okay, action in the modes. In mode of goodness, you do action out of duty with detachment. And then if you go down to verse 24, uh, passion work is done with great effort for sense pleasure. Here we have a, we can, this, this picture dates our artist, the, we see this old version of a computer uh, with a very, very big screen there. Um, yeah, and then the left side we have action in ignorance. Um, we have uh, the snake charmer who is chasing away a devotee because she took his spot. This is an actual story, a true story that happened in India. Um, one devotee lady was doing book distribution and this snake charmer was angry with her and he sent the snake and the snake bit her. And she went to the next village and another snake charmer came and chanted mantras and the snake well, let her go. I mean, she was free from the poison. She's free from the poison. So, but that's actually no more of ignorance. So, a performer in the modes on the top right, um, there's a devotee, he's doing book distribution no matter what. He's detached, enthusiastic, and resolute, even somebody is not happy with his service. 27, passion. Uh, yeah. 28 is the mode of ignorance, uh, gambling, cheating, always envious, morose. That's the mode of ignorance there. Okay, performer in the modes. I'll read verse 26. The worker from attachments free, indifferent to failure or success, enthusiastic and resolute, is in the mode of goodness. Jai, Gornitai, Karamaramaham, Sitaram, Lakshman, So, knowledge, action, and the performer. 
We'll go to part three. Understanding, determination, and happiness. Left side, understanding in the mode of goodness. See this lady devotee reading Bhagavad Gita, and she's understanding what is binding and liberating, what to fear, what not to fear, what is proper work. Impassion, there's a guy eating food and feeding the dog under the table. And he cannot distinguish between religious and irreligious work. And ignorance, uh, there's this uh, Baba, uh, this Sahajiya in Vrindavan, and he's smoking and, and he's having ladies. And he's, uh, this is, his understanding is in the mode of ignorance. You see religion as irreligion and strives in the wrong direction. Now if you go to the bottom, lotus determination in the modes. Verse 33, we have this kid who's a devotee and he's chanting Hare Krishna, but the rest of his family are not with it. They don't like it. So he's, he's still determined to chant. That's determination goodness. In passion, the, the, the determination, he's chanting, but he's thinking uh, to enjoy sense gratification. This is determination and passion. We don't want to do that. Then determination and ignorance on the left, verse 35, here we have the guy lying down with his pet cat watching the TV. No determination there. No determination at all. Ignorance means not. No understanding, no determination. Uh, so I'm going to read verse 33. Unbreakable determination, sustained with steadfastness, controlling mind, life, and senses, is in the mode of goodness. Okay, termination of goodness. Now happiness in the modes, we see on the right side. He's, now we see the mode of goodness, uh, the devotee top, top of that lotus. So many no's on the left side. So in the beginning, it may be like poison. But in the end, it's like nectar. He's got a higher taste, chanting and dancing, eating prasad, and so he is happy. That's happiness in the mode of goodness. Passion, you go down to the bottom, in the beginning, he's happy. At the end, he's angry. And that's happiness in the mode of passion. And then in verse 39, ignorance, no happiness, no nothing. Uh, happiness, ignorance is bliss. Uh, right. So the lesson here is happiness and goodness gives ultimate pleasure. So we want to cultivate happiness and goodness. That's transcendental. Now the top at the middle, there is a verse 40. No one in this world is free from the three modes of nature. No one is free. Yeah. So what lesson did we learn here in this picture? Oh, right. Good. Knowledge is beginning. That was from the before. Yeah, that was good though. But that was good. No, good. I forgot to ask you. That was. Thank you for remembering. <laughs> and this one, uh, we also have happiness. happiness. Yeah, happiness uh, in goodness gives ultimate pleasure. Right. Now we're going back to karma yoga, worshiping Krishna through work. So all the four varnas and ashrams, they are worshiping Krishna. Through their work, you can please Krishna. You can please Krishna through your work. 
And so therefore Arjuna should fight. That's what the, the conclusion here, you should fight for me. You see on the left side, Krishna's point, pointing to Arjuna as a fighter. They for, you forgot your book. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Worshipping Krishna through work. Then, all right, now the next part is worshiping Krishna through Jnana Yoga. Um, offering everything to Krishna, and especially reading Krishna's books. Brahma Bhutta Prasanatma, you start in Brahman, but the one who is in Brahman, he sees all living entities equally, and he takes up devotional service. That's verse 54. Then 55 is, you can understand me by devotional service and go back to Godhead. That's the lesson here. By devotional service, one can understand Krishna and go back to Godhead. Right. So part five, surrender to Krishna. It's all one lotus here, one big one. Now left side, uh, if you want to overcome obstacles, engage in devotional service. And... Krishna is telling you, you should go and fight. If you don't fight, you're going to fight anyway because that's your nature. It's your nature to fight and you can't stop your nature. So better you fight for me and, and win. Win, uh, win the war on the uh, battlefield of Kurukshetra. So on the, now Krishna has told Arjuna so many different paths. Oh, well let's look at verse 61 before we move on to the left side. 61 is kind of, you know, there's a, there's a, a man on some wheels. Mm. So that's the body. Uh, we're, we're on wheels here. Mm. And inside the body is the super soul, and he's directing our wandering. Mm. We're the soul sitting inside there, in front, and he's directing the wanderings. And we're just like, as the body is made of a machine. So here we have the machine of the material body, and being directed by super soul in heart. Now on the right side, if you go to the very top, well, verse 65, where is verse 65? Yeah, at the bottom. Always think of me, become my devotee, uh, worship me, and you will come to me. So that's repeated at the end of chapter 9, Most Confidential Knowledge, and it's here again in the 18th chapter. So it means it's a very important verse if it's, you see it twice. Um, so verse 66 at the top here, you have uh, now all the paths that were described by Krishna. Uh, he's telling Arjuna, forget everything, just surrender to me now. Only one thing you should do is just surrender. Of course, we got that through Bhagavad Gita, especially with the purports of Prabhupada, so we didn't have to worry about that. Just surrender to me. And that is the lesson. I'll read verse 66. Give up all kinds of religion and surrender to me. I'll free you from your sins, from all fear. Now be free. Do not fear, he says. I will protect you from your sinful reaction. Just surrender to me. I'll wipe out your karma. That's what we need to do. We need to wipe out our karma. <coughs> Don't come back again to this miserable material world. 
Now we can see the miseries more with the, the survivors going around. The, uh, it's, it's becoming more clear. <laughs> becoming more clear, the miseries of the material world. So what to do? Surrender to Krishna. By surrender to Krishna, one is free from sin and has no worries. That's the lesson here. He says, do not fear. You'll be free from sinful reaction. Okay, now the last part of chapter 18, part 6. Uh, Arjuna agrees to fight. So on the left side, uh, we have uh, somebody, no, it's more in the bottom, on the right side, we're starting on the right side here. Someone's preaching Bhagavad Gita. Anyone who preaches Gita to the devotees will gain pure devotional service and go back to Godhead. Lesson here. If you teach Bhagavad Gita to others, you will go back to Godhead and you will get pure devotional service. So do it. Yes, teach Bhagavad Gita to the devotees. So now um, we're going right to left now. So Krishna says, there's no one more dear to me, verse 69, than he who preaches. And then verse 71, we have uh, liberation by hearing Bhagavad Gita. In 73, Arjuna says, yes, my illusion is now gone, and I agree to fight. So then we go to verse 78 at the top middle. You see Krishna, Arjuna, Arjuna agrees to fight. Lesson here is wherever there is Krishna, where there is Arjuna, there will be a victory. And that was what we heard in the first chapter also. But here it's also said by Sanjay. Uh, before we could just see from the signs of victory, but now we're hearing the answer to Dhritarashtra's question, what will happen on this battlefield? And the answer is Krishna and Arjuna will win the battle. That is the answer. So what lessons in this picture here? Did we give you a lesson? Yeah. Two. Preach Bhagavad Gita. And what will happen? You go to Krishna, you'll be dear to Krishna. And you guarantee pure devotional service also. Okay. So um, don't forget your book now. Okay. <laughs> um, and there was one more lesson at the end of Bhagavad Gita. Huh? Wherever Krishna and Arjuna. And do you remember from the last picture of the lesson? that was there because I told you at the end. Yeah. No sin and no worries. Okay. Does anybody have any questions now from the last eight chapters of Bhagavad Gita? Yes, take the microphone. All of a sudden a microphone has appeared. We should use it. Could you describe the uh, five factors? Is it working? Okay. Hare Krishna. Yeah. Um, could you please describe the five factors of action so I can understand properly? Five, okay. We'll go back to the first picture, part one. Five factors of action. So if you're trying to analyze an activity, what, what is it made of? 
any endeavor or any activity that you do in this world is made of these five factors. So the endeavor means, okay, he's, what's the endeavor here? He's playing tennis, it looks like. The endeavor is to play tennis. What is the place? That's also a factor that will influence. So these five factors will influence the results of your activity. So you'll be influenced by what you're doing, where you're doing it, the place. Uh, if he's uh, trying to play tennis in Iceland in the winter, it's not going to work. He has to be in a warm place. Australia, where it's warm in our winter, it's summer there. He can go to Australia. And, uh, then, uh, and, and also, place could mean you don't want to play on the street where all the traffic is, you go to the tennis court. And the senses, how, how healthy are you to do this? Is, are your arms working properly? Can you run? That's the senses. The performer, so how much, how are you determined? How are you alert to uh, play? But ultimately it's the super soul who is giving you direction from inside, do this, do that. And if you're listening, then that will help you very much. Okay, yes, you have a question. Pass the microphone back. Hare Krishna Mataji. Could you please explain a little bit Om Tat Sat? Om Tat Sat. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a way... Oh, that's back to chapter 17. Om Tat Sat. That's an address to the Lord, meaning, Oh my Lord. Oh my Lord. It's more of an impersonal address. Uh, but it's found in the Vedas. <laughs> So therefore, it's mentioned in Bhagavad Gita that that's a way to purify your activities by chanting Om Tat Sat. If you're doing a sacrifice, uh, if you're doing uh, austerities, if you chant, if you do along with chanting this, then that will help you be successful. So that is what we learned from Bhagavad Gita here. So that's, yeah. Arjuna is Krishna's friend. Yes. And the coward boy is also a Krishna's friend. friend. Right. So is there a difference between them in terms of relationship with Krishna? Yeah, okay. What's the difference between Arjuna and the coward boy? Yes, there is a difference in the relationship. The coward boys, they don't know Krishna is God. But Arjuna, uh, he knows actually. He knows. Uh, he, uh, he, the Yadus and Arjuna, they, they see Krishna, they see also his opulence, and they see also, he's a friend, but there's, there's still some restrictions. With the cowboys, there's no restrictions. Krishna can, they can, Krish, uh, they can climb on Krishna's shoulders. Arjuna wouldn't do that. Arjuna is more, there's a little bit of uh, uh, not so familiar with Arjuna. It's, there's some, some mixed with some awe and reverence, some um, opulence you can see of Krishna there. So he's, he's not so familiar. He's familiar, he eats with him, but um, he doesn't play with him like the cover boys. They, there's no limits with the cover boys. As Prabhupada gives the example that the cover boys climb on Krishna's back and he has to carry them. Arjuna, you know, he has a bit more, um, he's seeing him more as a king. The cowboy's seeing him as simple friend. Mm 
to play with in the fields of Vrindavan. It's much uh, more familiar, more, more intimate in, in Goloka Vrindavan. There is, a, there is a big difference. There is a big difference. It's a mixture of opulence and uh, Arjuna's relationship with Krishna. Any other questions? Yes, okay. Uh, yeah, for the five factors of action. So The what? About the five factors of five action. Five factors of action. So that uh, we're bound by reactions because as a spirit soul we have a desire. Right. And that's what starting all the actions, even though Krishna is sanctioning, that's right. why we're bound by our reactions. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, we're, we're bound by the reactions because it's according to our desire. The performer has a desire. I want to play tennis. Mm. So the super says, okay, you play. But the outcome will be influenced by all the five factors, the outcome of his playing tennis. Yeah. We hear about the, like when you were describing about the universal form, hmm. you were talking about how Krishna showed the, what is going to happen, he asked Arjuna to be an instrument. Right. So many times uh, when the discussion comes about the free will, uh, free will versus destiny. Farewell. Free will, free will. Oh, free will. Free will versus destiny. Then people quote this to say that it's already destined to happen. Then I don't, there's no free will like, kind of thing. How do you understand that properly? Yeah, okay. Free will. Yeah, the war is destined to happen. But Arjuna may not fight. That's the free will. He ha Krishna gives him the choice. Fight or not fight. That's your free will. We can do devotional service, we can serve Krishna, or we can serve Maya. That's our choice. That's our choice. So whatever it will be, will be. But if we serve Krishna, we'll get the credit. If the, the movement will go on, despite if we leave. It will not stop because we left. Lord Chaitanya's predictions will be fulfilled. It will be in every town and village, even if we're not the ones to do it. Even if we're not the ones. Okay, anybody else have a question? Jaya Glory Shri Prabhupada.